0: Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Well, it's a real privilege this morning to have uh, Pastor Mario Pengu, who's from Sydney, and he is part of the family here. Um, In fact, he was my youth leader. Does that make you feel old? Yeah. Sorry, Murray. I didn't mean to. But yeah, he's been with us and a pastor here for many years. And he's in Sydney at the moment. It's just a joy to have him here. And I'm sure God is going to speak through him. He loves God and he loves the Word of God. And he's going to share for us what God wants to tell us. So give him a warm Life Christian Centre welcome as he comes forward. Thank you, Murray. Good morning. Good morning.
1: You guys good? Well, someone's honest. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, so good to be here this morning. Privileged to always come back to Love Church and uh, share what God lays on our heart. Um, I don't come this morning in confidence of who I am because I know very little. I was asked a question yesterday a couple of times by people. So what do you do? I'm going, do you really want to know what I do? I said, oh, I help my sons put cars together. We import old cars and old chevs and stuff like that. And then I do awnings and put up some fences and glasses, glass fencing. And um, I'm also a pastor. So that's where the conf- uh, conversation gets a little bit awkward because <laughs> they want to know what, what's a pastor. And uh, so I come this morning not in, in my confidence. I come in the confidence of the word of God. Because the word of God doesn't fail us. People do, but God doesn't. His word doesn't fail us. Uh, this message, message comes out of my heart that doesn't matter where you are with God. Um, I gave my heart to the Lord when I was 12 years old, so it's a long time ago. I'm going to turn 64 this week on the 23rd of February, next week, I think, the week after. So I'm uh, happy to receive any gifts you want to come my way. It'd be fantastic. Um, But you know, it's a journey. From the age of 12, God is still working in my life. And maybe you just gave your heart to the Lord last week. Realise this, that God has called you to be a follower of Christ. It's a journey that starts from the moment you give your life to Jesus. See, we become Christians when we give our life to Jesus. When we recognise that we're a sinner, we need saviour, we need to repent and we make Jesus our Lord, But I want to say to you, if you've done that, that's a great thing. That's a great start, but that's not the end of the journey. It's a great start. The journey begins there. But I want you to know this, that the more you seek God, the more he makes himself known. And he'll make himself known as much as you desire him to. You know, um, I'm not a beach person. You can probably tell that. I'm just dark because... My parents were Mediterranean, Italians, don't need much sun to be dark. But you don't, when I go to the beach, I don't jump in, I just get my toes wet. Anybody does that? And I watch all the other people having fun out there, jumping in and the waves. And and I'm just prepared to get my toes wet. There's so many of us that are just like that with God. We just like getting our toes wet where God beckons us to go into deep. Now, I'm not too sure how far you want to go but maybe God wants you to take to a place where you are not right now. So this message is, is for those who feel that God has more for them and recognise that and understand, God, I want to go deeper into you. See, so often we, people walk with God, we walk with God and we stumble along the way. I don't know about you, but I've been stumbling. Anybody stumble? Just Pastor Mario. Yeah, we stumble. I stumble every day. You know, I get up, I sit in Italian service, I get up in the morning and I, I just want to want my day to be honouring to God. And then at the end of the day, I look back at my day and I just realise I got angry with my wife, I kicked the cat, I wasn't too nice to the dog and I got upset at the guy who cut me off and uh, God, I actually didn't think about you much today. And we can stumble and sometimes we can even get sidetracked and sometimes I believe we can actually lose sight of what, what it is that God has for us. One of the most important things that you need to decide is what is your life purpose? What are you here for? See, purpose is what we need. Even Jesus came to earth with a purpose. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, New King James, for this purpose the Son of God was made manifest. There was a purpose that started in the heart of His Father. and he came here to planet earth with a purpose. And I want to say to you, we are here on this planet we're passing through, but while we're here, we need to find purpose. So what is your purpose? Probably a better question is, what is it that you live for? For the, Christ, for the Christian, I believe, is better question would be, who do you live for? Self? I can be selfish. Anybody else here can be selfish? Yeah? And be selfish over food, selfish over time. We are selfish. Do we live for self or do we live for God? And sometimes, as I minister, everybody thinks, Oh, he's really close with the Lord, he's doing everything out of the right motives. And I have to say to you that sometimes, even serving God, all I'm trying to do is to make myself feel better. You know, it's you get something back, don't you, when you're nice to people, don't you? I, I want to be nice. And I said, thank you. You're such a special person. See, I want to say to you that selfish, uh, self and flesh has just so much influence over much of our lives. And I, I really believe with all my heart if we try to fulfil our God-given purpose in life in family and church and all that we do, we need to realise that it needs to be way less of us and more of him. The message is less of me and more of God. Less of me and more of God. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 to 25, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. And if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. If you were to break down this verse, it's basically saying for the believer, the world doesn't revolve around you. Amen? It doesn't revolve around you. It doesn't matter who you are. For the believer, it doesn't revolve around you. It revolves around him. John the Baptist made this statement. He must increase, but I must decrease. And it sounds like a great statement, but this statement was in response to his disciples who felt threatened about the ministry of Jesus. Because the ministry of Jesus was taking off, and the ministry of John the Baptist was on the decline. In, Matthew, in John chapter 3, verse 22 to, to 30, New Living Translation says this Then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem. And they went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them there baptising people. And at this time, John the Baptist was baptising at Anon near Salem because there was plenty of water there. And people kept coming to him for baptism. This was before John was thrown into prison. And a debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, The man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptising people and everyone is going to him instead of coming to us. And John replied, No one can receive anything unless God gives it to them from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you, I'm not the Messiah. I'm only here to prepare a way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I'm filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. See, the statement was in response to the disciples saying, everyone is going to Jesus instead of coming to us. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. Look at everyone else, but here I am. And that's what they were, that's what they were thinking. The ministry of Jesus is growing and our ministry is on the decline. And I don't know whether you could actually put this in the statement say, it's flesh speaking. They wanted the attention. But John knew it wasn't about him. It wasn't about his ministry. It wasn't about his followers. It was about Jesus. Self-aggrandisement, the need to feel important. Man, anybody struggle with that? There's a song. Look at me, I'm here. What about me? It isn't fair. Do you want me to sing? People that know me said no, Mario, don't sing. See, you're now good intentions. I'm just wondering whether actually we're trying to exalt Jesus or our own self interest. See, I can be doing a lot of really good things and everybody's applauding me, but only God knows what motivates my heart. And I am I building a platform for myself and the look at me. Or am I truly trying to lift Jesus? See, it's about what makes me feel good when it should be. Does it exalt Jesus? Does it lift Jesus up or is it drawing attention to me? It's less of me and more of you. Why? I tell you why, because me gets in the way of what Jesus wants to do. I get in the way of what God wants to do. My emotions get in the way of what God wants to do. My own ego gets in the way of what God wants to do. See, ego is self-centered. It wants all the attention. And if you don't believe me, just go on Facebook. Look at me. John had realized it wasn't about him or his ministry. Or his band of followers, what he was building, it was all about Jesus. You probably know the scripture in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. We did a study on Romans last year in our church, and we spent quite a bit of time on the scripture. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. There's a pleading, it's not like, hey, by the way, this is just a suggestion. It's actually a pleading. Paul's he's he's speaking from his heart, and he's he's speaking the word of God, and he's saying, I'm pleading with you. To give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. We were singing some beautiful worship songs this morning. They are powerful not because of the tune. They are powerful of what has actually taken place that is descriptive of what has taken place in our life. Because of all he's done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. See, we, we've rendered worship to what we do on Sunday morning here for 15, 20 minutes and the worship is amazing. You know, but these guys are not here to worship for you. They're here to lead you so that we can worship him. But that's not just worship. Worship is also that happens when you leave this place and what you do with what God has put in your hand. We can worship God with so many different, in so many different ways, doing so many different things. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Does anybody have any stinking thinking happening out here? Hey? Then you will learn to know God's will for your life, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, we have been called to, to give our life as a living sacrifice. Not dead on an altar, but alive. Amen. that's the challenge. We're alive, but dead. We're alive. We're walking and breathing and interacting with the world and we're doing the things, uh, but we're dead to ourselves. We're alive under God, but dead to ourselves. You can find scriptures talk about you're a holy people, separated, dedicated to Him. And I want to say to us, if we serve out of self-interest of what I can get out of it and not out of consecration, Our passion for the things that we're doing that actually blesses people and does good things will eventually wane and eventually die. I want to focus on this word to consecrate. It's not a message I've heard too often, but this word consecration, it means dedication. It means a separation. It means to be set apart for the services of God and for the glory of God. Don't say for your glory, don't say for your followers, your Facebook followers or how many hits you can have or how many people you have in your church. It's got to do with being separated for God's glory. What we do is not for your glory, it's for God's glory. And the Christian life is not about an insurance policy that when you pass from this earth, hey, if you don't have it, you're going to hell. It's not just about an insurance policy for, uh, for eternity, but about life here on earth in the way we interact in the daily things of life, the stuff of life. And uh, if we're truly dedicated and consecrated to God, uh, all that we do is for His glory. They used to put those uh, stones in old buildings. You'll see a lot of them in Adelaide, known as a city of church. We never speak to people about Adelaide. They go, oh, it's the city of churches. Yeah, and now they're nightclubs and everything else. But I used to put this stone for the glory of God. But you and I are living stones. We, it's, we are for the glory of God. See, what does consecration look like and what are the results of being consecrated? And uh, Joshua chapter 3, verse 1 to 6, I'm going to read this to you. Is Israel crossing the Jordan River? Then Joshua rose up early in the morning and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel. Uh, And lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about a thousand cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go for you have not passed this way before. Verse five, and Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourself. That word is also consecrate yourself. Be set apart for yourself. Be set apart from yourself. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I love that. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priest saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Now, if you know a little bit of the background of this story, is that God rescues Israel out of slavery. He rescued them and used Moses as the deliverer. And then they spent 40 years wandering around in the desert on a journey that was supposed to take 11 days. And it wasn't God's fault because he didn't have GPS. God knew where he was taking them. It wasn't God's fault. It was because of their unbelief and their lack of trust in God. You know, many times they said, "I oh, just bring us back to Egypt. But God had a plan for them. And meanwhile, in the wanderings of the desert, of their doing, God is sustaining them. Does that speak to you? How many times we wander around, doing our thing? God's got a purpose for us, but we're just doing our thing. God says, I want to take you somewhere. Like, oh, All right, Lord, I'll get to it later. When you're a teenager, I'll get to it after I got married. Lord, I'll get to it after my kids have grown up. We're wandering around. But in the meantime, God is sustaining us all along the way. And so God's sustaining them for 40 years, travelling around because of their unbelief, and God's keeping them. And now they get to this place called the Jordan River. The promised land was on the other side of the Jordan River. And Jericho was there that needed to be conquered, but the river was in the way. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the Jordan River this morning. Jordan means to go down in the Hebrew, to descend, to go down. The Jordan River is where John the Baptist baptized Jesus. The name Jordan comes from the Hebrew word Yarden means to go down or descending, referring to the River Jordan flowing towards the Dead Sea. It's interesting because the Jordan River actually begins to flow at the base of Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon means a sacred mountain. It's the highest mountain in the ancient Israel, boasting majestic snow-capped peaks rising over 9,000 feet above the sea. Mount Hermon may have been also the site where Jesus Christ transfigured himself, that glorious moment where he took his disciples up there, three of his closest disciples, and he transfigured himself. And... Uh, a scholar wrote this way, said, believe that Mount Hermon was a site of Jesus' transfiguration, a supernatural event where Christ appeared in his true glory as the Son of God, revealing his identity as the Messiah and fulfilling the law and the prophets. It's that transfiguration. Peter, James, and John, the members of Jesus' inner circle, were eyewitnesses to listen to this to the Lord's pre existent glory. Powerful word. They had seen Jesus do amazing things, but they saw his pre-existent glory. So the River Jordan starts at this mountain and it flows all the way through to the Dead Sea. But along the way, there's the Sea of Galilee. It's also referred to the Lake of Gennesaret and the Tiberias Sea. It's where Jesus called his disciples. He called Matthew from the town of Capernaum, which is on its banks, Jesus calmed the storm on the Sea of Galilee. He walked on water on the Sea of Galilee. He taught the crowds there standing and sitting in a boat on the side of the Sea of Galilee. Actually, one of the last miracles, the last miracle that Jesus performed was a miraculous catch on the Sea of Galilee. But the River Jordan continues to flow. It starts at Mount Hermon, flows into the Sea of Galilee, and then it flows to the Dead Sea. How many people had an opportunity to visit the Dead Sea? One or two. It's the lowest uh, elevation on on water on planet Earth. It's 430 metres below sea level. Gives you a bit of an understanding. Its it's salinity is rating 36% higher than the ocean. It's believed, and we're not going to have a debate this morning, do your own research on this. It's believed it's actually the site of Sodom and Gomorrah. They say that there's no life in the Sea of Galilee except some bacteria. Any fish that was alive in the River Jordan that ends up in the Dead Sea dies. So the River Jordan begins at a high place, Mount Hermon, and it flows in the Sea of Galilee and he eventually ends up in the Dead Sea. Starting to see the picture? The River Jordan begins at the very place where Jesus revealed himself to his disciples. It's the Mount Herman experience where they got a revelation of who he was. Then the Jordan River flows into the Sea of Galilee where miracles and teachings, where people got fed, amazing things took place. But then the Jordan River continues to flow down, flows to the Dead Sea, unless you're prepared to cross over. Unless Israel was prepared to consecrate their life and be willing to cross over, they were in danger of being carried all the way down to the Dead Sea. The destiny and fulfilment of God's promise for the people of Israel followed their willingness to be consecrated unto God. They were about to cross over into their destiny. But before they could do that, they were required to consecrate themselves, to set themselves apart. And the whole nation of Israel had to consecrate themselves before the Lord, and they were to prepare to prepare to see the wonders of God was going to do wondrous things. He's going to do wonder amongst them. The Ark of the Covenant was taken by the priests into the to the waters as a as they uh, approached the River Jordan. The waters of the River Jordan stopped, but not where they were. The waters of the River Jordan stopped about twenty miles upstream at a place called Adam. Do we serve a miraculous God or what? And they stood, the, the Ark of the Covenant and the priests. they stood in the middle of the River Jordan and it was in flood time. So it's not like, because the River Jordan is not, not all that wide, but when it's in flood time, uh, you, you can't cross it. There's no way that you could cross it. And they stood there until all the people of Israel, after having been consecrated, walked across into their destiny. I want to say to you this morning that all of us have a River Jordan experience. Us Christians, people who have decided to follow Christ. See, I I believe that we are very similar to the people of Israel. We too have been rescued from slavery. A slavery of sin, it's called. Slavery of the enemy. He entangles us and keeps us locked up and chained to the purposes that God has for us. And He came and rescued us. We too have, if you've given your life to Jesus, you've got a revelation of who Jesus was and is. Just like the disciples on Mount Hermon, we've got a revelation of who He is. He's the Messiah. He's our Saviour. He's our Lord. He's the Son of God. He's very God. Anybody here got a revelation who Jesus is? But we too have had many late, Galilee experiences, been walking with Jesus for a while. I'm sure that you've seen the goodness of God. Amen. Anybody experienced the goodness of God? Anybody uh, had answered prayers? Anybody, anybody had moments where you're willing to give up, but God's presence just came where you where you were and inundated you, and you felt the love of God. See, we too have had those experiences. We've too have seen the power and the provision of God, but we too are on a journey. Into a place of fulfillment of God's promises over your life, over our church, over Life Church. We too must decide do we want to go deeper and cross over? But God asks us to consecrate ourselves, and that's our challenge. How do we consecrate ourselves to God? How do we consecrate ourselves to Him? It was at the very place where the Israelites crossed the Jordan River into the Promised Land, which later became the place where John the Baptist called people to repent and be baptised for the remission of sin. I, I just find it—it's there's no coincidence with God. Nothing. Nothing is a coincidence. Oh, it's just happened. Nothing just happens. I want to say nothing just happens in your life as well. But God calls us to be consecrated to him. In other words, we make a choice. Do we cross over into the deep or are we just happy in seeing the mirror? I want to say, whatever Jesus did, there was always crowds following him. And I find it strange that when we rate success of ministry or or a movement, we say numbers is is important. And he, he ministered to thousands of people, yet there was only 120 in the upper room. Pretty interesting, isn't it? Some people just want to be there in the crowd to see the spectacular. God doesn't want you just to see the spectacular. He wants you to cross over into what he has for you. Otherwise, I believe, and I've seen this. I said, you know, I gave my heart to the Lord when I was 12 years old, grew up in this church, and I've seen young people start out, they go, Surrender their life to the Lord, and they can do everything for Him and then something happens along the way and the distractions of life carries them away to a place of deadness. Now, I don't want that for you. I certainly don't want it for me. And I, was, I believe with all my heart that God doesn't want it for you either because He beckons us to come. We, we're doing a study this week and one of the studies in one of the mornings was this, it's just a... Just a thought. We think that God moves away from us. God never moves. We move. God's always there. He wants to take us deeper, but sometimes we're just so convenient, I just get my toes wet. God issues you with a challenge. And the challenge is this. If you would just consecrate your life to me, then see what I will be able to do. I love that. I'm crying out more and more in this age where nothing satisfies. Nothing in this world could ever satisfy our souls and the crying of our heart because inside of our heart there's a void that's made for God. It's not made for things. Not made for travelling and that's good. Not made for fast cars, which I love, but that doesn't. You know, I'm always looking at the next one. What are we going to buy next? And next, and no, there's a void that's made for God's presence, and we're just happy to get our feet when God says, "No, if you would just consecrate yourself to me." I'm going to wrap up really quickly, but the question is, how then do we consecrate ourselves to God? And and I've been I've been grappling with this over the last three or four years, what does consecration actually look like? Wouldn't it be good if consecration meant we just go to church every single day? You go, no, we need a life, right? Wouldn't it be great if consecration meant we could go into some monastery somewhere, avoid of all the distractions? That's not consecration. It would be great, it would be a lot easier, but it's not. The Old Testament Meaning of consecration is this separation. It means abstaining from unclean things. Abstaining from dead things. In fact, the people of Israel were asked to consecrate themselves, which meant that they had to go and wash their clothes and wash their bodies. The opposite of consecration, because that's sort of how I work, the opposite of consecration would be let any unclean thing come into your life. Let it be part of your life. Accept it as the norm. So my question to myself is, it would be, Mario, so what does that look like in 2024? How are you going to consecrate your life to the Lord? And waiting for... God's going to do wonders because I, I wanna, don't want just the first but I also want the second part. Joshua said, consecrate yourself because tomorrow God is going to do wonders. I want to say to you, the driving force to be consecrated is not the wonders that God is going to do. though I like wonders. It's all about the wondrous God you get my point? Because sometimes we just want to consecrate ourselves to see what we're going to get out of it. But God is really saying, and and if you look at the people of Israel, God did wondrous things, but so many times they lost the wonder of God and turned to other idols. Now you can draw it into your life, whatever that looks like, because I'm not you, but I can draw it into my life, what it looks like, and I know what it looks like. I can just let so many distractions get in the way. And I can show up for my devotion and say, God, just speak to me. You've got 30 minutes to 30 seconds to, to say something to me. It's going to be, you know, He's going to reveal something and they're not going to move on. I want to consecrate myself to God because not because He's going to do wondrous things, because He's just wondrous. See, the wonder for the people of Israel was a land called their own for the wonder of the people of Israel was God was going to wipe out help them to wipe out the enemy the Jericho walls are going to come tumbling down the wonder of the people of Israel was a land flowing milk and honey that's the the wonder that was going to happen but they needed to consecrate themselves firstly to the wonder of God and they had missed completely the point the less of me and more of you is about consecrating yourself I need to consecrate myself. We need to consecrate ourselves. We need to set ourselves apart. That's what it means. Now, I don't know about you, but I have this battle constantly inside of my being that I know what God wants me to do and I know the struggle that I have doing things my way, letting ego get in the way. And God says, just consecrate yourself to me. Set yourself apart. And that's the challenge. Paul said, "Hey, hey, the very things I don't want to do, I do. And that's which, which I wanna do, I don't do. Set ourselves aside, to dedicate ourselves. And I wanna say, it's all of us, it's not just nine to 10 o'clock on Sunday morning or whatever time this service started. Consecrating ourselves, it's not about, hey, we open church 24 seven and you're here every single minute of the day. I wanna tell you, I'm just a real simple guy, right? It starts with this. It starts with my heart. It starts with, I will not let any dead thing come into my heart. I will not let something that is against the truth of God to come into my heart. I won't let any unforgiveness come into my heart. God, I get up in the morning and I want to consecrate my heart to Him. I set my heart aside. But that's not the only challenge I have. i got my head, my thinking, my mind. I consecrate my life to Him as I start with my mind, what I think about, what I dwell on, what goes on in my brain. I consecrate my life. What does it mean? I consecrate my eyes. I don't let any undefiled thing, anything that smells like death to come into my eyes. My hands, my feet. I'm going to put some things out here and I don't know what speaks to you. Have you consecrated your money to the Lord? Pastor Murray, I knew you were going to talk about money at some point in time in your message. Consecrate my marriage to the Lord. My family to the Lord. Lord, I consecrate them to the Lord. Let, Lord, I, I won't let any dead thing, dirty thing to come into my heart, to come into my mind, to come into my eyes, or oh, where I go, my money, my family, my marriage, my life, Lord God. All these things, Lord, I consecrate them to You. I won't let unclean dead things bring me down because the danger is it will bring us down to the dead sea where nothing lives. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do mighty things. And you know what? They did. And God did. I want you to be upstanding. Time is almost gone. I know. Often we come to church, and I'm just going to get really corny now, right? Okay, so I'm preparing you for it. We will come to church, and we want the pastor to pray over us. Have you ever prayed for yourself? We can do that. I can do it. It's that Spirit of God inside of me that declares to God what Mario and how he needs to change. Because I know my thought patterns. I know what I allow to get in. I know how I I struggle with what I allow my eyes to see what I allow to come into my ears. And we're going to pray. If you find it really awkward, maybe you can do it when you get home in a quiet room, shut the door, let no one see you. We're just going to put our hands on our heart this morning. As a symbol of consecration. Uh, uh, before I pray, I don't want this to be seen as, Pastor Murray, you... Yeah, you're making me feel really awkward right now. I know that one thing is the Word of God sometimes makes me feel really, really awkward because it's so true. Some of the Word of God is so difficult to, to munch over, but I, I know it's the truth and it's for my good. So why you put your hand on your heart? and pray a prayer of consecration this morning. We're going to move to our head and to our eyes. Here we go. Ready? Dear Heavenly Father, we we stand before You this morning in consecration. We want to consecrate ourselves to You because, because we want to see you, the wonder of who You are, Lord God. You're holy. You're all loving. God of mercy and grace, Lord. We consecrate to You our heart this morning. We will not let any dead, defiled thing to come in that will lead us to the dead sea put our hands on our head Lord we consecrate to you our minds Father we will not dwell on dead things we will not dwell on lives of the evil one We will not dwell on hearsay, Lord God, but we will dwell on who You are and Your Word that brings life to us, Lord. Father, we consecrate our eyes to You this morning. Oh Father, we keep dead things out of our sight, Lord. We keep those things that will distract us and lead us away from all that You have for us, Lord God. We consecrate our eyes. We consecrate our hands and our feet. Lord, we consecrate our money to You. We consecrate our family to You. We consecrate our marriage to You. We consecrate our business to You. We consecrate ourselves to You, Father, because You're worthy. You're worthy of it all, Lord God. We surrender our lives to You and our consecration is not just once, but it's every single day as we, we remind ourselves who it is that we belong to. And we pray this morning, Father, let it be less of me and more of You so we can gaze upon Your wonder. And because of who You are, Lord, I know that you will do wondrous things. In Jesus' name, Amen.
0: Praise God. Praise God. What a wonderful Word. You know, we need to do more than just say, yeah, that was good. But we need to put it into practice. We need to do as of His Word. Just hear us. Let's consecrate our life this week and for the rest of our lives. Lord, we just thank You for Your Word. You have spoken to us and we hear Your Word and we will do as Your Word says. Help us, God. Help us in our weakness. Help us, Lord, to be what You called us to be. We want to be consecrated to You. We want to consecrate everything we have to You. There's nothing, there's less of me and more of You, Lord nothing I have that's worth anything. You are everything I need. You are all that I need. Thank you, God, for your word. Allow us to go this week as we consecrate ourselves, that you will get the glory in everything we do and that we think and do as Jesus would do. We want to be Christ-like this week.